One, two, three, four. Palapalooza. Palapalooza. We're talking to you. I'm Palapalooza. Arnold, welcome to Palapalooza. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Thanks a lot for your time, man. Yeah, happy to do it. <laughs> yeah, dude. Saxophone player for Bucko Nine since 1991. Does it feel like 30 years? Um, yes and no. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you, man. Yeah, you, you must have seen a lot, man. I mean, the industry's changed so much, and uh, you guys have done so much. Uh, you released. 28 Teeth in 97 with your big single, My Town. That must have really catapulted you guys to the next level. I, th I thought it'd be cool to kind of talk about the years prior and the lead, sure. up, the lead up to that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, those were that was, you know the so-called formative years for us. Um, just kind of figuring out how to, you know, the lineup, solidifying the lineup and, uh, you know, learning how to play live and, and, and how to be a band basically, you know, all the, all the things that go into that from rehearsing and writing songs to recording and, you know, branching out to San Diego and starting to play some regional shows, you know, LA and Phoenix and places like that. Refining your sound a bit and doing it, you know, ju just how all bands do it, I suppose. But you hear of, you know, Buck 09, and it's it's always interesting to talk to bands like you because it seems like an overnight success, but it it never is, right? You guys hustled quite a bit uh, before 97, right, I'd, I would assume? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we the band started to come together, you know, end of 91, beginning of 92, and by the end of 92, we had our, our first demo tape out, which was kind of like our first, you know, album because it had, I think we had about 10 or 12 songs on it, and... um you know, at that point, we were just trying to play as many cool shows as we could. And yeah. just, we wanted to, you know, open up for as many, you know, all the bands that we liked listening to and going to see. And it was just, yeah, just get the word out. We had a mailing list. We, you know, we send postcards to people and get people to sign up on our mailing list at the shows and, you know, just try to build and build. Well, I stumbled at 2 a.m. all drunk and full of smoke. My wife said I have had enough that said I'm sick, get out! So I stumbled down to Kelly's pub, across the edge of town. And I told the boys we story, and we had another round. Is there a part of you that wishes the digital era was around back then? Or are you? do you feel fortunate that you experienced the music scene without that? Or maybe a little bit of both? Yeah, maybe a little bit of both, because, I mean, through that, we you know, into the, into the mid nineties, you know, we had a website pretty early on in the game and we had, we had an AOL account that we used to, for the band. <laughs> yeah, so, for sure. you know, yeah, I mean, it evolved from sending postcards and newsletters out to answering emails. Um, you know, while we were on the road, we would, we would get to the club and find a modem, uh, a phone line, yeah. download that day's emails and upload the ones we'd answered. And, wow. and, uh, yeah, for communication, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to say because I don't know how people keep up with social media now with Twitter and, and, and Instagram and Facebook and having to constantly, you know, have stuff for people to, to, to 
engage with. So I think it's a little, that might would be a little different to adjust to now, but. Sure. There's a bar, a standard for, for certain uh, social content these days, right? Yeah. It seems like, uh, you know, the, the, the people that are doing it full on are, are on there every day posting something. Right. And uh, I mean, if you're out on the road, if you're traveling and, and doing things as a band, I guess you could always come up with something to share. Um, for us, it's kind of like little spurts. You know, we go out for a weekend and we're posting a bunch of stuff and then a few what months go by and then you hear from us again. Yeah, no, totally, man. Yeah. What were some of those bands and venues that you would hook up with uh, when you were first playing? You got to mention Sprung Monkey, Unwritten Law, all those guys. Were you sharing the stage with them? Yeah, you know, we played with them a bunch. Um, you know, Ghoulspoon, um, yeah. Unsteady. Unsteady was and Gangbusters were kind of the other ska bands around at that point. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in San Diego. Um, bands like Flat Manhattan and Freak Scene that were kind of more on the funk, crazy funk side of things. And that was a good, um, that was a good uh, lineup, you know, because it was just all about getting, you know, fun and being kind of crazy. And, sure. And not taking yourself too seriously, but you know, ska's that way, right? Ska's fun, happy music, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it has, you know, it has the its other side too. It has its political, social commentary side. Then I think that's kind of gets overlooked a little bit since the '90s uh, wave came around. You know, sure. Um, because obviously, the stuff before in the two ton era was a lot. There was a lot more, you know socio-political commentary going on in that stuff yeah um so I, I i don't know if it swings swings back the other way uh ever but um it's definitely we've always tried to have a positive message in sure. the music and, and in the vibe that we present even if we're kind of touching on some more serious topics i guess God now compared to then i think it's healthy uh, healthier in a way because i think there's a lot more variety out there right now i hear i hear a lot of stuff that where people are diving back into the older traditional sounds but you know with updated recording techniques and musicianship as well as people carrying the third wave banner and uh people even kind of you know going falling somewhere in between you know a band like the interrupters that's kind of more straightforward ska with maybe a little ska punk edge to it you know i was gonna say them yeah i didn't know how you'd feel about that but they really seem to be killing it for uh, mainstream right now huh yeah it's it's really good to see i'm mean, you know because ska has usually been lumped into these periodic trends and they came out when there was no there wasn't part of another wave of ska like like there was in the 90s with the bostones and no doubt and all that yeah and I've been for the last time so good for them, you know, that I, I th that's the thing that I, I think I'd like to see is for ska music to stand on its own and not be necessarily have to be part of like, oh, here's another wave, here's another fad, you know, just if there's good music and it happens to be ska, give it some recognition, you know, totally. people have always loved it, you know, a lot of people had never heard it before, you know, through the different eras. Uh, they hear a song by the English beat or sublime or no doubt or, or something like that. And then they're instantly hooked. You know, I'm glad you brought up the boss tones. I mean, I graduated high school in 98. So obviously Boko nine, I, I started my first band in 98 too. So Boko nine was, you know, you guys are definite local legends. You were, you were on the map for sure. Uh, boss tones. You got to throw them out for definite nineties, uh, 
ska bands that were just legendary. Uh, I think of Rancid, Real Big Fish. You know, did you team up with all those guys? We played with Real Big Fish quite a bit in those early to mid '90s era. When we, you know, uh, we played with all those a lot of the Orange County bands back then. Say Ferris, Real Big Fish, Mill Ticket, uh, Sorted Jelly Beans. I, I'm not. I'm not I might be misstating where some of the bands are actually from, but Southern California, from you know Riverside to Orange County and LA, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, of course, Voodoo Glow Skulls were a band that we hooked up with early and um, got to play with them a lot over the years. We never played with Rancid until the, I think it was 2000, 2007. Okay. We did three shows with them when we put out our, our I guess it would have been our fifth album. Yeah. And we got to play uh, three shows with them and that was really fun to see them just kill it every night. They were obviously a band that, that we looked up, you know, respected. And of course, with the lineage coming from Operation Ivy, there's that natural transition right there. And most of us are really into punk rock and all and have been since, you know, high school, too. So that, you know, even their first two albums are some of my favorites where there's really they don't really get into the ska there. It's just straight ahead, you know, Bay Area punk. Yeah, I was listening to some of your older stuff today and, it, and you guys were a lot more punk back in back in your earlier stuff. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. We were influenced stylistically by, you know, ska core, Boston's, Voodoo Glow Schools, um, to some degree, and uh, Operation Ivy and the bands that, that, that seemed like they were taking taking it to a new a new space, you right. know. I mean of yeah. course Fishbone was there too. They'd yeah. been around and they they'd mixed up all kinds of styles. There once was a mob that wanted her. And it felt like, okay, now we're taking the modern, like, kind of punk rock and metal stuff and throwing it in versus, you know, it's basically what Two-Tone did back in the 70s was take, you know, ska and that era of British punk and slam it together, you know, speed up the tempos and mix it up a bit with the attitude. So, yeah, it, it felt like the next wave of that, you know, like... You know, in the wave of the bands that kind of came out of the 80s and 90s, Bad Religion and, and that kind of stuff, you know, Green Day, all that all that stuff that was coming up. Yeah, for sure. Looking back, I mean, is there a moment that really sticks out where you feel like you you recall Buck 09, you know, sort of making it, quote unquote, or, or was it sort of a, a gradual thing that occurred? I, you know, it we never really felt like we made it because I mean, we had my town that got a fair amount of airplay on, you know, the alternative stations around the country. My town, my street, give me peace of mind that can't be beaten. We started getting invited to play these, the radio shows back then, the 91 X's of the world yeah. had been playing your song and they'd say, Hey, can you come do our radio show? Um, it's kind of a favor to them because, you know, thanks for playing us. And, but then you get to go and play this big concert with a whole bunch of bands that are huge, like Foo Fighters or Weezer or, or right. what, what have you, you know? So, uh, yeah, I guess we did a show in Buffalo where we were opening for Weezer and the Goo Goo Dolls and all these uh, really big alternative bands. And, I mean, it was a minor league baseball stadium, and it was packed with people. I don't know how many, 10,000 at least. And I, I remember we got off the stage and spent the next 45 minutes walking by this chain link fence signing stuff for people, you know? Wow. So yeah. I think there were a couple of moments like that where you felt like, wow, what's going on here, you know? That would have been 97, 98? Yeah, summer 97. 
2018 came out on, I think it was April 15th, tax day. <laughs> we go. were, yeah, we were in on tour in Canada when it came out with face to face and up there, the scoffing hadn't hit yet. They were in the throes of like the, you know, the pop punk and the punks, the stuff that came out, you know, face to face green day offspring was huge up there, but they weren't so caught on to the, 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 the third wave of ska yet. Yeah. Um, so we were up in Canada and it was still cold and we were like, well, our album's out. You know, <laughs> yeah. Are you guys all from San Diego? I mean, originally no, but when we when the band started, we all lived here. You know, we all were here for a number of years. Now we have some guys that have moved away and come back and moved away again and stuff like that. Yeah, you're fresh off your live music stream. Uh, that would have been August first, uh, PRSL, correct? How was that? It was good. I mean, we we actually had a pre-recorded video that they showed. No, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, w with all of us being, you know, we have people live in Colorado and Arizona and stuff. So yeah. it's not feasible for us to really get together right now. And if we all tried to do it live over the internet with that kind of distance between us, it would be a mess. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyways, yeah, but I was up there and hanging out and they had some great bands playing live and I got to talk live on the, you know, on the air on their stream with Dave who was hosting it and talk about, you know, the past and present and future of the band and stuff. So it was really cool. It's good to be able to, to reach people somehow in this COVID world. And the COVID climate. Yeah. It's crazy times, man. I mean, looking back on stadium shows and the minor league stadium, you got to wonder when that's going to return, right? A little bit. Yeah. That's a big question right now. I mean, uh, I don't think we're going to get back to normal until we have a, a, a vaccine or some good therapeutic treatments for it. Right. So we'll see how long that takes. You know. Sure. Yeah, there's a lot of speculation and uncertainty, but yeah, I think 2020 is a wash, dude, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I feel for the bands that are doing it full-time. You know, for us, we, we had some shows set up at the end of March, like a weekend run, and we had to cancel those. Yeah, and that's we were going to do a, a street fair in San Diego that got postponed. That was, for us, it was just like, oh, wow, we were going to go away and have fun that weekend, and now we can't. Right. But for other, other people, it's their livelihood. So. Um, we really feel for the, for those people that are, you know, the bands and their whole crews and management booking agents. I mean, our booking agent, you know, he makes his living, uh, you know, or a good part of his living off of booking bands on tour. So when the, the bands aren't on tour, he's not, he's not pulling in that income. So, you know, it's, it affects a lot of people out there and that's just one industry, obviously. Yeah. Really unfortunate. It, it did take a giant shit on, uh, the music industry, for sure. I, I think we'll get back up to par, but yeah, you got to throw out venues and these small bars and any live music venue. I mean, the Casbah, you guys have probably rocked the Casbah a few times, right? Yeah, that's become, you know, that's become our kind of uh, regular place to play a couple times a year. Tim Mays, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, he's legendary in San Diego and um, I, I follow them on online and I see that they're doing some live streams and yeah. hopefully they're going to be able to ride out the storm because they've been around long enough, but you know, we're obviously uh, some venues have been lost and yeah. are in jeopardy of being lost. And, you know, who knows how that's going to change the landscape. On the other hand, hopefully people will be ready to get out there and, you know, craving live shows again when it's safe to do so. And hopefully that'll there'll be a, a boom across the board. Totally, man. I think something will happen to make us all feel safe, whether it be, like you said, therapeutics or vaccine, you know. Um, it makes me wonder, you know, it really does make me wonder if the live music industry is ever going to get back to how it was, 
you know, not to be, not to be uh, negative, but just sort of realistic. I know because, you know, in, in up until the, what the early two thousands bands could make money reasonably off of sales of their physical media, right. You know, their, their albums. Right. And, and now that, that that's less and less the case, bands have come to rely on touring, selling, you know, merchandise that you can't download like t-shirts and, um, and that. And so, what do you do? You know, you can keep putting out albums, but are you going to just stream them and make a few pennies here and there? I don't, I don't know. You know. It's tough, man. I assume. And from, you know, what, what it sounds like you all have other <laughs> streams of income, which <laughs> is never a bad idea when you're a musician, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for us, this stopped being a full-time gig like 20 years ago. So you stopped fully touring quite a while ago, right? I mean, full-time touring. Yeah. About the end of Beginning of 2000, end of 99 was our last, our last U.S. tour. And since then, you know, we took a bit of a hiatus there. And then we started doing it just for fun again. And just, you know, if we can get out for two weeks, that's a big deal to us, you know. Yeah. That's, that's like a long, long time. <laughs> yeah, no, totally, man. But mostly it's weekends and long weekends, you know, stuff we can drive to. So really just playing sporadic shows here and there when the opportunity comes up with, with Buck 09, right? Yeah. Exactly. Honestly, we have to say no to more things than we'd like to because our booking agent you know, says, hey, these guys want you to come here. Can you do this? And we're like, sorry, we can't. So-and-so has worked, you know, or other commi- or or we just we can't go to Texas and play because it's not that easy. You know, we can't go to the East Coast very easily Sure. just for a couple shows. It just it just doesn't make sense, you know. How many original members are still playing with Buck09? We are, at this point, um, six out of the seven. Okay, wow. So who's yeah. the new guy? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's relative, but uh, Andy Platford, our bass player, has been with us since around 2000. 2000? <laughs> yeah, Only 20 you know, years. <laughs> yeah. And, and our, our drummer, Steve, he left the band in about 98. And then rejoined us about, I think, five years ago. So he's kind of the new guy, I guess, now. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's funny, man. <laughs> Writing and demoing, I'm seeing. You guys are working on some new stuff. I saw you tease a new song on social media, Looking Out My Window. Sounded really good, man. Oh, yeah, thanks, yeah. So you got some new stuff coming out, right? Yeah, we're well into the writing of the next album. Um, we've got almost 20 songs at this point. Wow. We're just keep, you know, I, I'm sure this is what a lot of people are doing right now. Just writing, writing, writing you know, and it's all you can really do. And so hopefully by the time we get to recording an album, we'll have plenty of songs to choose from and to make it a good, a good release. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys are a larger band. Are you comfortable with getting in the studio right now with each other or would you be cautious about that? Well, the, the, the last record we did, we, we, the drums were done in a studio here in San Diego, but then the rest of it was recorded, um, in our trumpet players garage studio. Awesome. Um, so, you know, we could do stuff like that. Right now, we're just demoing it all remotely. We all have recording software and mics, and we just record tracks and pass it around and add on to it. You know, and and it's just it's just that. Yeah. What what, what we want to do is when when it's safe to get together again is all get together for a weekend somewhere and just jam. You know, for like three days and jam all this stuff live and really flesh it out, and then we'll be ready to do that. So whenever we can do that. 
I think that that'll be the next step. Yeah, it's a different. It's a different era. You can almost record an album without seeing your band. <laughs> you know. Yeah. In fact, we did do a a, a song that we submitted for um, a, a compilation that's coming out. I think at the end of the year. Um, that Asian Man Records is putting out. It's a ska against racism comp. They did one back in the 2000s and um, they asked us if we could do something for this. So we managed to, you know, put a track together that we came out pretty, you know, quality-wise, like sound-wise, it sounds good. Um, so, yeah, we could we could probably do the whole album this way if we wanted to. 2020 Supernova Ska Festival. That was a live stream as well, right? Uh, Less Than Jake, Suicide Machines, a bunch of other bands. Um, was that in Jamaica? It was to benefit the Alpha Boys School in Jamaica, which is like a music school. That's that's kind of the same program, I believe, that, that the Scottalites, a lot of the Scottalites musicians came out of and where they learned to play as as when they were younger. So it's it was to benefit that. But usually the, the festival happens uh, in the somewhere in the middle of nowhere in Virginia. I can't remember as I've never been to it, but um, we were stoked to be a part of that because we probably wouldn't have been able to actually go to Virginia and play, you know, although that would be awesome, but we were able to be a part of this one. So, right. Yeah. So that was just the live stream similar to the, the one last weekend. Yeah. A lot of bands are doing these quarantine videos and, you know, so that's what we did for that. That's cool. That that worked out really well, man. Everyone was kind of rocking out from their their house, and uh, that came out pretty pretty good. Do you have a producer who is the the sound guy in Bucko Nine that sort of orchestrates that? Uh, it's mostly our trumpet player. Um, What's his name? Uh, Tony. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. When we were doing the the last record, we used our recording budget to build a high end like digital audio workstation, um, so that we could be kind of self sufficient and. Um, we use that to record, you know, it's got super quiet fans and everything. And, uh, he's got, you know, good mics and, and, and whatnot. And he's really dived into the whole production side of things, you know, with EQing and, you know, getting all the, all the sounds the way it needs to be done. So, um, he's, he, he's basically our producer, you know, everyone from home has the ability to look, you know, with a PC and, and a, some kind of USB interface, you can just plug your guitar, your bass in, or mic your horn, yeah. and then get a recording, send it to him. Then he works his magic and puts it all together and sends it back. And then we can hear how it's all sounding together. Nice, you know, at least, at least for for now. But yeah, but before we we went when he lived in Chula Vista at the time, we we just all went down there and recorded our parts at his house. Gotcha. Makes it a little more difficult with the horn section, I would assume, right? With seven, eight people. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, well, I mean, we're used to it, you know. Okay. I mean, it takes a little longer because you know each horn has to go in there and get their part down. The three of us work well together, and we usually know like one person kind of takes the lead, you know, like okay, you're recording first, so we're all going to make sure we play along to what you're doing. <laughs> You're playing in Spy Kids, too, with uh, Matt Hensley of Flog and Molly, and uh, I think Scott Russo was playing with you guys for a little bit, right? On keys? Uh, in the old days. So that was the band that we were in before, right before Buck and I and Unwritten Law, and um, our drummer, Mark, was in uh, Pivot after that. They were around for a few years here in San Diego. In fact, I think they're still around. Um, yeah. And then, you know, of course, several years later, uh, 
Matt ended up hooking up with Flogging Molly. But yeah, that was a ska band we were in back. We were around from like 90 to to the end of 91, basically. Almost two years, a year and a half or so. And um, yeah, we played a lot of shows. San Diego, LA, Orange County. Did Recorded a demo tape. Um, and then we kind of just splintered off um, as people were getting into other projects. And then uh, a few a couple years ago, we a few of us were hanging out and we kicked around the idea of, you know, re-recording some of the songs off the demo tape. And so, uh, that blossomed into kind of a full on release, you know, so we went, went in the studio. Actually, we're lucky we got in the studio at the end of January, beginning of February, right before all this stuff happened. Nice. So we were lucky. We, we recorded the whole thing in a weekend up in Vista and it came out way better than we thought it was going to be. So now jump up records out of Chicago's doing a vinyl release of it. And digital and all that. So nice, man. And that's available on all platforms, Spotify and all that good stuff. It will be. It's not out yet. We just heard the chest pressing a couple weeks ago of the vinyl. Okay. So, but it will be. You know, we still have to finish the artwork and all that. But it will be coming out on a vinyl release, and I believe CD, and then of course, yeah, I'm sure it'll be on all the streaming platforms and whatnot. Awesome, man. I look forward to hearing that. 2020 is the goal. I think so. Um, <laughs> you never know, huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of up to the label. It's, you know, it's Chuck Wren. He's been part of the Scoss scene forever. And I think he's kind of like a one-man operation. So I guess it just depends on his schedule and what he's got in the pipeline of releases ahead of that. Because he releases a lot of stuff on vinyl, a lot of reissues of ska bands and a lot of, you know, new releases as well. Very cool. We'll be on the lookout for that. New Spy Kids. <laughs> We're going to do a quick dream segment with you, all right? Okay. If Bucko9 could tour with any current band, who would you pick? Or maybe a band that you've always wanted to play with that you never got the opportunity? I think it would... Well, there's a band from England that we all really like called The Skins, and they're, they're a reggae band. They do a couple style tunes, but they're really good. Yeah, I think it'd be cool to tour with them. I, I actually saw them at the Casmo back last year, and they're incredible. So I think I think it'd be great to tour with them. It'd be great to do some kind of big package tour with the, you know, the likes of the Boston's and Rancid and Flog and Molly and you know, whatnot. We're up for just about any anything if if that was the case, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. If we're dreaming, man. Yeah. No, I hear you. Yeah. Right on. Skints is that S K I N T S? Yeah. Yeah. I'll check them out, man. Right on. Yeah, they're definitely worth listening to. They're they've got some incredible stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of good reggae coming out of England right now. Yeah, that seems to be the case, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Wonder what that is. What's going on over there? Something in the I water, maybe. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Put together a dream show at the Casbah for Friday night. So venues are open back up. Uh, Boko 9 and three other bands from San Diego. From San that's, Diego? That's the rule, yep. Okay. Um, I think we'd have to put Donkey Show in there. Donkey Show, okay. I first a little stop. I'm going to ask for a daughter to watch and marry that So I don't discover very much and want to make her my wife. They kind of uh, split up the whole for this whole... 90s thing happened but they were really good they put out even moon records back in the day okay um i'd probably have to go with them uh local bands i'd probably have to add gangbusters in there just because they were also a legendary kind of local influence band um, who else three other one other 
Yeah, one three. more. <laughs> the pressure. The pressure. No, so many, I know. There's so many to choose from. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of keeping it in the ska world because that's where we come from. But Do you ever go out to shows, you know, uh, before January? Do you ever go check out any... Any local shows? Once in a while, yeah. Not as much as I'd like to, but, you know, like, yeah, I saw the skins back last summer. and Oh, cool, man. A lot of times stuff happens on weeknights, and I just yeah. uh, can't make it, you know. But Totally. If it's if it's something I'm I'm already tuned into, then I'll, I'll try to make it, you know, like a band that I already like or I haven't seen in a while, you know. But I don't, unfortunately, don't get out to see too much, like, local stuff that, I, that I'm not aware of yet, which is kind of a sign of getting old but um, <laughs> you know back i in, hear you i'm sure you paid your dues bro you know back in i'm sure you were hitting the pavement in the 90s dude no doubt about yeah it. oh yeah yeah back then when you could just go to work on four hours sleep and not care you know <laughs> right yeah yeah it's a good scene still here uh not a lot of ska around san diego unless i'm just not clued into it i've had a couple on the podcast but yeah um definitely a lot of like punk rock still the indie rock scene is still alive and well you know the surf rock scene so it's it's a great scene here in san diego when COVID isn't here you know yeah yeah um i i can't remember if it was back in because it was early this year um the san diego school san diego school of rock did a uh, showcase down at the world beat center um because they were their students were doing a bunch of local bands and uh that was actually really cool because i got to see like mitch from no knife performed the song with the kids our our, our horn section guitar player played with uh the group that his daughter our guitar player jonas's daughter is playing drums for so That's we did, a, you know, we did my town with them and That's I got cool. to see, I honestly, I'm drawing blanks right now, but I got to see some local musicians that are in bands that I had heard of, but hadn't heard yet. And I saw some really good stuff. Um, awesome. but honestly the names escape me right now, but, um, I know the schizophonics did that. I don't know if they were one of them. Yes. But- yeah, that's right. Yeah, they were part of it. Yeah, they're yep. touring a lot, and they've made a, a big name for themselves. I think they were featured in like Rolling Stone, so they're they're doing really well. Yeah, yeah. The more limited connection I have to it now, it seems like San Diego's still has maintained a really strong, diverse music scene. You know, if you know, COVID messed up the San Diego Music Awards live thing. Otherwise, <laughs> we would have gone down to that at the House of Blues, and and you know connected with a bunch of stuff then oh cool yeah that would have been a good networking thing man we were nominated this year and uh, i watched it online you know not quite the same but yeah still very cool of you know kevin hellman and and the crew there with the san diego music awards to to keep it going yeah we got nominated in world music category which was a first for us but yeah very cool yeah congrats on that yeah so it was it was nice to be at least recognize that you're still alive. <laughs> <laughs> We're still here, man. Yeah, yeah. Now I hear you. Yeah. I mean, you got to put out stuff, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, totally. We'll move on here. Did you want to, did, did another band come to mind with that last question? The, the dream bill, or do you want to skip past that? I'm, ha- I'm having trouble. <laughs> I, you know, I think three bands on a bill is, is about, Fuck. do you? About yeah. Good. There you go. Longer <laughs> sets. I agree. Uh, if you could bring a musician back from the dead for one final concert, who would it be? I mean, uh, I mean, some of them I, I I have seen. Like you know, I think it would be obviously like Brad from Sublime. You know, would be would be that would be a pretty epic if they were able to play again. Absolutely. Um, Rankin Roger from English Beat who passed away uh, not too long ago. Um, I've seen him perform, but not as the English Beat. You know. Those are two that come to mind. That you know, of, as far as my 
kind of space, you know, I mean, yeah, you know, there, there's so many Hendrix, um, Kurt Cobain, of course, would be, would be legendary, you know, and John Lennon and some of those people. So many. You mentioned Sublime. Did Bucko Nine play with Sublime with Brad? Yeah, we played with them once. We played with them a couple times. Yeah, we played with them up in L.A. once um, at a crazy show. Uh, it was like almost a riot that happened outside. Yeah, it was weird. What venue was that at? Uh, you know, I have to look it up because I don't think it's there anymore. There's an old flyer that someone posted online a couple years ago. And I, I think it's, it was some theater that's like, it was kind of a shithole, but, yeah. um, <laughs> but I, I just remember like someone getting thrown through the plate glass window out front or something like that happening. Wow. Um, it was, it was getting like kind of dangerous up there you know yeah. in, the, in that old school la kind of way but yeah we played with them and i think we did a show in denver once with them and a bunch of other bands you know where you know we were just playing in the afternoon and there were 20 other bands after us you know yeah did you get to hang with the guys or was it just kind of on stage and yeah i don't, I don't remember hanging out with any of them i mean we didn't know them you know yeah. they didn't we didn't really have a personal connection with them. We were supposed to play with them once down here at Canes. Although I think, I don't know if it was Canes yet, but it was where that club used to be. Yeah, man. I love Canes. Yeah. Yeah. I think they had to cancel because I think he was in rehab at the time. This is a story I remember and he couldn't get a pass to come out and play this gig. So we showed up and I think we just played with ourselves and some other band, you know, whoever else was on the bill. But I do remember that one show in LA uh, that was pretty nuts. Yeah. People getting thrown through windows, man. That's pretty memorable. <laughs> yeah. It was like, that was one of those more underground shows, you know, Yeah. before, before, cool. uh, the big explosion happened. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Good memories. A lot of good memories. I'm sure. Huh? With Bucko nine looking back. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. What's yeah, a tour I mean, that really sticks out? Good tours or bad tours <laughs> um, well either i mean, I mean you know stories or you know uh, i was thinking good but your call yeah well one, one of one of the, the good ones early on was opening up for the incarnation of the specials that was touring around 95 96 wow um we got to do like the west like west of the mississippi basically and i think the suicide machines did the east coast more of the east coast dates yeah. So that was really good. And we toured with the Suicide Machines nationally uh, and in Canada, across Canada. And th- that was, those are epic tours too, because we just really got along with those guys and had a lot of fun times just doing stupid stuff with them, you know, yeah. after the shows and hanging out, and, you know, and just seeing how crazy kids from Detroit do it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You guys played up in Canada quite a bit, huh? Is there a scene up there? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we did a couple. We did the the across the country with Face to Face, and then again with Suicide Machines a uh-huh. year or two later. Um, and yeah, there's definitely. I mean, especially on the coasts, you know, places like Vancouver and Calgary. Um, and then when you get back to Toronto and Montreal and uh, that area, uh, London, Ontario, they've got a cool club called uh, I think it's called Call the Office. I think it's still there. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then, you know, in between you're in the Midwest of Canada and you got places like Saskatoon and Winnipeg and, um, and Regina and places that, you know, you're just, it's, it's, it's like you're in a foreign country, but it's like, whoa, where are we? And then <laughs> people just show up, you know, Wow. and, and in a place where you, you don't, you wonder where, if anyone 
is really alive there you know <laughs> it's so remote it feels so remote to us you know but i've heard that before man like uh, even in spain i think it was but maybe the supply of bands isn't quite as high right like the bands just don't go through there as often right so when one does go through everyone sort of flocks out right yeah yeah i mean you know it's always hit or miss depending on where you go and when but some of the some of the best times you're going to have is playing what they call like these secondary markets where you go to some college town or or a town that's not the major city in that state or province but the kids are are so thankful that you're there that you know they don't take it for granted like they do in la or san francisco where there's millions of things going on every night you know right so yeah those can be some of the best experiences weird too but but awesome you know (laughs) like definitely a little more diy perhaps in you know you might be playing the basement of a a va hall somewhere (laughs) but it'll be the funnest show of the trip you know yeah versus you know playing like the the standard clubs and and big cities you know yeah from all the musicians i've talked to you know i think the one good thing that will come of of covid is the appreciation for live music you know in san diego and la and all these oversaturated cities right definitely i think once people honestly feel in big numbers feel safe enough to get in a room with a bunch of sweaty bodies (laughs) you know pressed together against the stage have a big covid hug yeah then (laughs) i i think definitely you know it's it's going to be explosive because of the fans the artists are just going to be you know full of pent-up frustration emotion you know i think there's going to be some incredible stuff that happens both live and of course recorded you know I mean, with all that's going on in the world, it's political climate and, and as well, you know, I just can't imagine there's not going to be some pretty incredible art coming out of all this, you know, in the next couple of years. Yeah. And some, some sort of stresses and tensions, this sort of burn off a little bit, right. For musicians and listeners. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that are, you know, stuck at home like I am. And, um, for me having music to work on with my friends is a big, you know, it kind of gives you that sense of purpose and connection to the bigger world versus like, okay, what's on Netflix today? Or, you know, I can't, Oh, I can't go do this. It's a really nice day out, but I don't can't really go do anything cuz it's not safe, you know. Yeah. It's it's really good to have something like that, an outlet, you know, to give yourself, you know, some some purpose, I suppose, whether it's you know, something creative for me or or you know, you know. Yeah, and I think you you have a family and the school situation is bizarre. I have a 7-year-old. It's <laughs> Yeah. I would imagine there's some stresses and uncertainties there. Yeah. That must be harder for for people like you that have younger ones that maybe, well, that's not too young, but maybe they have a hard time, harder time understanding what's going on or why, you know? She's living it up here. It's a big summer break for her, man. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know my kids are missing getting to hang out with their friends and schoolmates, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. Are they teens or a little bit older? Yeah. 15 and 12. So they're both, Yeah. Teen tweens. I saw you. Yeah, I saw you shooting guns with with them on your social media. Just kind of oh, yeah. scrolling around. Yeah, BB but, guns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, BB guns. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think my, you know, my daughter. I, I feel for her. I, I think she's okay, but it's like she, you know, she hasn't played with anyone her size in five months. Yeah, I mean, you know, the kids kids are pretty resilient, right? I mean, they're gonna they're, they're gonna come out of it on the other side. You know, I just try try, try to think of what it must have been like to be 
that age and living in, you know, through the horrors of World War II or the Dust Bowl or, you know, the Great Depression. And, True. you know, you, you see, I was watching the show where these guys are cruising through Central America and they're showing these little kids in a village, you know, that they, they don't have the internet and right. they don't have shoes and they're smiling and having fun. So, totally. you know, I mean, it, not to take away from what's going on, but, right. you know, I think also we need to pe- put it in perspective compared to history. And it's like, well, could sure. be worse, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it is bad, but right. you know, it, 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 it hopefully it's a better time for something like this than it was a hundred years ago with the Spanish flu, you know? No, that's a good perspective for sure. I think some of the, the kids possessions end up owning them in a lot of ways with the, uh, you know, the video games and the TV and <laughs> all of that. So yeah, at least they do have that online element. They can connect with, you know, I know my kids are online with their friends playing Roblox and stuff like that. So. <laughs> I think back to my nineties, man, I was talking about this the other day. I feel like we, Growing up in the 90s, we we were fortunate, you know? We didn't have a lot of distractions, and we'd go outside and play, and we didn't have the video as many video games, you know? Yeah. Oh, I know. I, I think about that, too. You know, Atari and all that. It's like, you couldn't play Atari 12 hours a day. It just wasn't that fun. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, remember seeing, I remember seeing Mario on Super Mario for the first time for Christmas, you know? I got it, probably like 1994 or something like that, and I was just blown away, dude. Like, whoa, I'm controlling oh, yeah that on the tv that's incredible and now yeah now i'm even getting sucked back into video games a bit playing you know my son's playstation 4 and all that and right. they're really engrossing it's crazy yeah i find myself ordering the old games i've got the classic nintendo down there and i've got the old sega games you know oh cool trying to bring it back to my youth a little bit but yeah we used to have travel around with the sega genesis in a van with a little tv nice when we were on tour and uh we'd sit there and play like Sonic or something. Boxing games and yeah, so, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. We digress. But anyways. Yeah. A couple of old fuckers reminiscing. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have a lot of local musicians listening, man, that uh you know, are hitting the pavement still. Maybe not as much in 2020, but they're you know they're still trying to do things and make it big. Do you have any advice for locals? I, I mean, yeah. When when this all blows over, I would say the number one thing is get out there and go for it, and don't limit yourself to just local stuff. I, I mean, I know San Diego is a great springboard sure. for music, but I feel like what benefited us the most was getting out there. We, you know, we did a road trip to Provo once to play a show with like three vehicles, you know, we got to Phoenix, Tucson, LA, you know, Orange County, Riverside, uh, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. Don't be afraid to, to put it out there and take that risk because you'll never know otherwise. And, um, right. you'll grow a lot and you'll get a measure for it. Cause you know, we, uh, you know, one of the shockers to us was like, Hey, we were doing really well at Soma, you know, we were selling out Soma and we're like, Oh, we're just going to go around the country and do this everywhere. Well, then yeah. you get out there and you realize you haven't been playing St. Louis for three years and working it up. No one heard of you. And they have their own band called ME 330 that that's their bucko nine, you know? Right. And so who the hell are you? So you have to earn that everywhere you go. And, uh, it's a, it's a big, it's a big task for most bands, yeah. but it shouldn't discourage people. It should, it should just encourage them to, you know, give it a good shot, you know, and see what can happen. 
Yeah, great advice, man. Any any advice with labels? I think TVT Records produced uh, My Town, right? And, and 28 Teeth? Yeah, yeah, they put that out. They treat you pretty well? Yeah, 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 they did. I mean, unfortunately, you know, they're not around anymore. But um, mm-hmm. <laughs> labels are tough, you know? I mean, you, you kind of have to go by what other artists say, try to talk to other artists, you know, look at the track record uh, of the people running the label. Do they care about the music? Um, are they going to, are the, you know, some of these, some of the label, the best labels are, are some of the smaller ones because the people who run the labels uh, care, you know, right, right. I don't, I don't really know how the landscape is this, this, this nowadays too much, you know, because it's, things are, are a lot different than they were when we were more in the game. But sure. Yeah, you know, find out from other artists. That's the number one thing. They'll know. They'll 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 know whether these they get a fair shake or not. You know. Yeah. Um, for us, it was all you know. It was all about distribution back then. It was like you didn't you know you didn't want to go to the East Coast and see uh, all your peers' records or CDs in the shop and not see yours. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So now distribution is different because a lot of it's done online and it's, I think it's leveled that playing field to some degree, but then it's also made, made it so there's a lot more trees to get through in that forest, right? To, right. to stand out. So, yes, exactly. You know, Over, maybe oversaturated, a lot more competition. <laughs> yeah. The barrier to entry is, is a lot is a lot lower now right before you had to save up your money and go go to a studio and right. maybe put out a demo tape and you know try and you d- and now you can just get a computer or an ipad and you can make a record in a weekend and be on youtube totally there you go <laughs> yeah no totally man you're you're spot on do you think there is a need for labels anymore i, I suppose there is you know because i think the ones that are around are around still are around for a reason because they're they've got a, a reputation you know, yeah. or, or they're doing some, you know, things beyond just putting out CDs. You know, maybe they're involved in some soundtrack work or they've, you know, the vinyl part of it is still, you know, that's become popular again. So yeah. if you want, to, you know, to put out a vinyl record, you got to have someone who knows how to get that done. And right. I know at one point there, they were saying all these record plants were way up back ordered on on production because the wow. upsurge in a lot of the record pressing places, you know, are long gone. So there's not as many, but I don't know how that is now. Hmm. Interesting. I think I saw that record sales went up about 10% and CD sales dropped about 10%. That's the last thing I saw. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that was for uh, 2019. Yeah. So I, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I think they serve a purpose because if you're an artist, you know, you, you're still, your main job is make your music um, and get out there and perform and, and you, you want someone else to handle all that other stuff. You know, right. you have to keep your eye on it yeah. and you have to know, you know, you have to have a business sense, yeah. uh, but, 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 you know, you can't, it's hard to do, do both full time and do both well. Right. Totally. So that's why you have a booking agent or a manager or those types of things that if you work with the right people, it can make a world of difference. Absolutely, man. Right on. Craig Yarnold, thank you so much for your time, dude. Bucko 9. Thank you. Local legends for sure. We'll keep an eye out for uh, Spy Kids and their new release. Cool. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. And uh, appreciate your time. All the best to you and your family. Thank you. Yeah, you too. Take care. I got the tunes in my pocket and an old ass walk, man. Walking to the beach with a bottle of black and tan. Keys in the velcro where it always should be. Time's ticking by, but it doesn't concern me. I'm killing time with nothing to do, yeah.
Difícil mal 